Coaching for Results, the five tips that drive performance with Dr. Steve Stoll. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hello, Rory. Hey, Paul, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on again, my friend. Well, I'm glad you're here to talk more about how coaching can not only make your organization's potential grow, but also your own career and yourself grow. You have another great coach who's written a wonderful book about coaching, Mm -hmm. and it's been a great summer because you've been interviewing a lot of these people who do the same thing you do. Yeah, and and we've just gotten just tremendous folks on the show lately who have written books that have been powerful impacts for me and helped me learn how to coach more effectively. And Dr. Steve Stoll's book, The Five Tips to Drive Performance. Uh, And the tips are topic, impact, plan, sustain, and support. And support's one of the most important ones. And so when you get the book and you actually see the formula, uh, support's in the middle because if you've got support, then that helps with the topics, the impact, and the plan. And it's just a great interview with him talking about how this works. And just you can just tell his years of experience of coaching through the conversation. He's just got some tremendous insights. And two of the quotes that I really like, actually three quotes that I really like from the, from the presentation or from the interview were, uh, be careful about the curse of brilliance, which is a great concept there. And I encourage you to find out what he says on that one. He has another quote. He doesn't, he's not sure who said this, but I love this quote. He said, some people would rather be listened to than have their wishes granted. And he talks about the power of listening there. And he also says, practice the idea of seldom am I right. Ask questions, find out what's going on, what's happening with people, uh, because we all have a story that we create in our minds, but is our story the correct story and is it the correct formula? So he just had some really great nuggets of wisdom and I think uh, people will really enjoy this conversation today. Excellent. Well, let's get to a great conversation between our own Rory and Dr. Stephen Stoll, the author of Coaching for Results. Today on Coaching for Potential, we have Dr. Stephen Stowell. He is the founder and president of the Center for Management and Organizational Effectiveness, CMOE. Dr. Stowell, Sharissa Newton, and Eric Meads wrote Coaching for Results, the five tips that drive performance. So Dr. Stephen Stowell, welcome to Coaching for Potential. It's good to be here with you today. I'm looking forward to our interview. Thank you, my friend. It is great to have you here. I love your book, Coaching for Results. I love one of the quotes that you have in here, and I think it's just so profound and so important. Impactful, and I'm going to start with it. It's actually by John Russell, former managing director of Harley Davidson. And now you know you'll know the quote. He said, I never cease to be amazed about the power of coaching process to draw out the skills or talent that was previously hidden within the individual and which invariably finds a way to solve a problem previously thought unsolvable. And I just love that quote with regards to the power of how coaching has had an impact for his business. Any any additional thoughts on that? No, I think it all comes down to collaboration. And, and if you approach the coaching process with that thought in mind, it is a collaboration process. It's a two-way process, and it's a great way to discover new solutions to tough business issues, or even in tough behaviors and performance issues. It's the only way, I think, to approach those issues. Ultimately, of course, at some point, there's no guarantee that the coaching process is always gonna work perfectly, 
but I keep telling people it's a place you've got to start. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't work all the time, but that's a place you got to start. So you've got the five tips in the process. So briefly explain the what the five tips stand for. Yes. And after that, at some point, I can tell you the origins of that exactly. The T stands for topic topic. It's very important that you go in with your ducks in a row. You've got to have your data, your observations that you can bring from the table. I like to tell people, if you don't do this step well, you miss it all. In other words, there has to be that clarity, that focus of understanding, and that topic is really clear. It doesn't mean that you go in as the expert and you don't go in overly abrupt but sometimes it's a more Socratic method where you do a little mm -hmm. fact finding, a little data gathering to augment what you have and then explore it. I like to tell people probably 80% of the time, the person that you're coaching knows the development opportunity or performance issue already. And so you just have to allow it to emerge kind of naturally on its own. Excellent. So that's the topic. And then the other ones following from the formula are? The next one is impact. This okay. is the one that I missed a lot before we did the actual hands-on research on this. And it's that awareness. A lot of people see one side or one perspective. And I think the job of a coach is to help illuminate this better. Sometimes we like to call it the flip side analysis and kind of do a role reversal so people can kind of see the situation that you're exploring that topic from different angles. And then you get that aha moment, that light bulb when it goes on, all of a sudden everything's downhill after that. That's why that is such a pivotal element of this coaching framework. And then the next one on the tips is? The so plan, the P, the T-I-P-S, the plan. And sometimes it's a little abbreviated. I like to call it the plan and the commitment. In other words, you have to orchestrate. I believe the coach is really an orchestrator. You can come to the coaching session with a plan, with an idea or a concept, and that's good, but I think you have to be a little bit careful. I think if you can pull ideas out from that person that you're coaching in terms of a solution, go forward strategy, I think it's better the ownership gets uh, higher and it makes it easier for them to, to get on board with a solution. Being very explicit about that, sometimes I like to call it, you know, you just, you've heard the phrase, smart the plan and make sure you've got the buy-in as you move forward, critical, critical elements. And mm -hmm. so af after that comes a sustain. I think there's several critical elements in terms of the word sustain, and that means follow-up. You've got to do your follow-up or very little happens. And sometimes it's pretty quick. That's what we learned from the research is you don't want to wait a couple of weeks. You want to check back. It could be a couple of hours. It may be a couple of days at most to see how they're doing with progressing forward with their the plan or the agreement. Mm -hmm. and getting clear on what are the implications? What are the consequences? Hey, if we win with this plan, how do you win? What's right. in it for you looking at that upside? And those could be natural consequences or imposed. Mm -hmm. And let's look at the downside too. What's at risk here? If we don't pull this off, the plan of action, where are we? So exploring that, maybe you don't lay it all out there in an initial conversation, but at some point you've got to explore those ramifications down the road. Now, keep in mind, again, the tips, we fudge a little bit on this because there's two S's. There's the sustain, but also the support. And what we learned from the research is people respond to a coach who has their best interests at heart. And right. 
the way you convey that support, a multitude of ways that we could do a deep dive into. If you want to, I can explain it now or later if there's an interest, but the verbal, the nonverbal, and the tangible support, the resources, uh, the tools and equipment you give people in order to be successful. So that's basically at a high level, those touch points, we like to call them just, just touch points. It's not sequential. Uh, it's very iterative. You, you kind of blend these together. I like to say it's like playing an instrument. You know the keys. You know mm-hmm. the keys. Now, the message, the, the sound that you want to get across, you, you have to, again, just orchestrate that as the conversation unfolds, knowing that those are bases to touch. Hopefully, that wasn't too much. No, that was perfect. And I'm just going to, just for the listeners, kind of repeat it. Topic, impact, plan, sustain, and support. And I agree with you completely. Uh, I tell my clients the most important thing for you to do and you establish and sustain and support is it, is they've got to know that you're a coach on their side of the field. You're not on the other side of the field trying to, you know, point out their flaws or their weaknesses or take advantage of their weaknesses because that's what a coach on the other side is going to do to you. But your side is trying to say, okay, what are your strengths? And I want you to utilize those strengths to your greatest advantage. And they didn't know you're on their side. And so even though there's two coaches on the field, a lot of times you've got to be that coach that's on their side of the field in their corner. So, and I love this observation in the book. You say 5% of coaches in the studies you did, I mean, literally thousands of hours of listening to coaches, 5% of coaches were willing to wade into a discussion about the implications of a planned success or failure. And I find that remarkable uh, that it's such a low number, but yet coaching still is successful. You can still point to its successes but I think if people jumped into that more often, it, they'd probably be even more successful. So only 5% of coaches willing to wade into the discussion. It was a little bit shocking. Num- number one, I think a lot of people, if you don't have a methodology or a framework to, to work from, and, and as recently as this morning, doing some executive coaching with a person who does have some blind spots, it was just to remind myself, stick, stick to the framework, just follow the framework, and it will turn out all okay. But the but is this, is a lot of coaches are afraid to hit that sustained part, which includes what's the upside and the downside? What, what's at stake here with the success of this? Makes a lot of people very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And so they avoid it. In fact, uh, some people say coaching is the most avoided, mishandled, misused of all management tasks. And if you approach it the right way, it should be the most enjoyable part of managing and leading. But for a lot of people, the idea of being real, being transparent, being authentic creates some uneasiness. It's, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree completely. And, but I just think that's such an important key in the process is to really talk about, okay, where, what's the plan, success or failure? It reminds me there's a, a book out called OKRs, and it was how Microsoft and Google and all of these folks, and they use objectives and key results indicators, as you well know, they talk about them every three months. So part of their coaching process is that. And the other thing is, and I'm sure you've heard of the Oxygen Project by Google, where they rank the eight skills, or actually now 10 skills of make the most effective manager, and numero uno by all of their employees was coaching was number one. So it's just so important that, and that was the employees saying that coaching is number one. So it's just such an important skill. So it is, if I could just comment on that. What's absolutely 
the irony of it, when I look at most organization-wide studies, 360s, invariably coaching, the effectiveness of leaders doing the coaching is in the lower quadrant. So it's usually in the high quadrant in terms of the importance and people requesting it, but oftentimes in the last quadrant in terms of the way it's carried out. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And that's why I work with clients. I typically work on a three-year agreement because you just don't learn and master the skill overnight. Uh, it's something that we go back to. And, and I tell the, uh, the CEO, the reason I do this is I just really want to help you create a coaching culture. And the way that we do that is that repetition, that process, asking them, and then using the surveys to say, are they in fact coaching? Uh, not to use the surveys as a tool to criticize or, okay, here's what your folks think what would you like to improve on? How do you improve? And it is not used in any way for their compensation or used to criticize them. It's just used as a development tool. Here's what, here's the results. Here's where we're finding it. So I just think that's so important. And I love the quote from Albert Schweitzer you put in there that says, as the sun makes ice melt, kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. And I think that's such an incredibly important key to coaching. And just expand upon that a little bit, because I just love that quote in there. And you've just got some really good ideas in your book about that, the importance of kindness. Well, you know, this book is really about hard-hitting how-tos. And again, if we go back to the original research, what we noticed is the importance of that support, that kindness, that respect, um, its core. And so even in the diagram, the graphic of these coaching tips, it's the support that's in the center. I like mm -hmm. to call it the clutch step. If you mm -hmm. have a little hiccup in the coaching conversations, you get misunderstood, they misinterpret. I like to always go back to that and re-clarify, reaffirm that, look, I'm not your enemy. I'm here to help you. I'm on your side. And so a little sprinkling in that support throughout the conversation is extremely critical. And it is that center of the, the solar system. It's, it is the sun. And so that was very deliberate in design of that to put that at the center of this whole process. Yeah, I agree completely. And I just think it's such an important key in the, the process is to do that. Oh, I love this aspect of the book also. You say too often people hold off celebrating something until they arrive at their destination, their end goal and the interim achievements are rarely, if ever, acknowledged. And I, and I thought about that, and I just think that's so profound. And I, if I can adjust just for a minute and frame it, I, I live near Kansas City, been a Chiefs fan all my life. Obviously, we were thrilled with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs this year. And I thought about that. Would it have been so bizarre for the Chiefs to wait to celebrate at the end of the Super Bowl? You know, they celebrated every touchdown or an important play where they had to get a first down and a third down play. They were always celebrating that. And it's so important for managers to do that. And so, yeah, just expand upon that because it's such an important idea that you talk about in the book. And so many managers miss that opportunity to high five people in that interim. Actually, I can tell you exactly the origins of that thought. Uh, probably 25 years ago, working not too far from you up in Ames, Iowa, with a CEO by the name of Dave Fifely at a company called Sour Dan Foss. They make hydrostatic equipment for agriculture, mining, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, Steve, he said, that's a problem of mine. I, I tend to be hesitant to want to acknowledge and celebrate and recognize. He said, I'm kind of the person who likes to see people cross that finish line before I get excited. 
And he said, you know what I'm learning from this coaching process, I need to celebrate incremental success and not worry so much about the fact that people might take the, their foot off the pedal if I acknowledge some breakthrough, I just have to trust that more. So I think that's really the heart of it. I mean, it got crystallized in my mind working with this, with this gentleman, with this CEO, that I think all of us as of leaders have got to be a little patient and recognize that development comes in steps. It's incremental. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we wait, I think you lose a lot of opportunities to lose motivation, and that, which is one of my favorite topics. Uh, Fred Hersberg was, was my mentor and coach in college. Creating that motivation and that incentive, I think, is really, really good. And it, again, more often than not, it doesn't have to be financial, but it's, it's a, a positive word or an indication of any breakthrough and progress. So important concept. I agree with you completely. And you talked about the power of motivation there. I love Daniel Pink's book, Drive, and he talks about level three motivation. The, the key there is, and I think coaching naturally arrives at that, where you, you want to find out what is the intrinsic drivers of that individual and how do they want to do it and what do they want to do and where is their, their process? I think coaching just naturally gravitates to that by its process of just by asking questions and saying, how do you want to do this? How do you want to address it? And I just think that's so profound. And that's really what you're talking about there in the book is finding that intrinsic motivator, which is so much more powerful. Thank you. Everything you tee up will trigger a thought. And, and certainly that's it. And what I tell people, you've got to know the person you're coaching. You've got to know their hot buttons. You've got to, I don't care if it's social styles, disc, MBTI, what, or, or just getting to know that person and what gets them excited because that mm-hmm. feeds every step in terms of impact. Sometimes it's right. a story. If somebody likes like sports, mm-hmm. then you could weave that in to kind of help make the point that, that this is important and it's worth working on. And so I, I think knowing what motivates people is invaluable. Yeah, when I interviewed Richard Boyatzis uh, on his book, Helping People Change, and I asked him his favorite coaching question. And he said, my favorite coaching question is to ask people, in 10 or 15 years, if the world was perfect, where do you plan to be? And he says that really finds out the hopes, wishes, dreams, and aspirations of that person. Agree totally. And and working that impact in terms of you can look at time, let's go forward, let's go back uh, in terms of, again, role reversal. Let's look at this in terms of a customer. Let's look at this in terms of a coworker, a board member, an owner. And, and it's that ability to get people in somebody else's shoes or at some point, different point in time to gain perspective. That's the other word for impact is, can you help this person maybe grasp a fresh perspective on the situation. Right. Um, I was coaching a, a young woman one time and she was, you know, she's very talented, rising up the organization very fast. And uh, anyway, she had a myth with her CEO and she was really upset with her CEO. And, and it was actually grinding the relationship. The CEO called me too and said, hey, this is grinding the relationship. And so I went out uh, and I was uh, doing some training with the organization. So I said at lunch, hey, let's just take a walk around the neighborhood. It was out in a in an area that was a business, but also behind it was neighborhoods. We just walked through the neighborhoods down the streets. And I said, okay, if your employees were doing what you were doing right now, how would you view that? And you could just tell that was her aha moment of, oh, 
Dag Nabbit. I've been looking at this all from my perspective and she sees it from her perspective. When I see it from her perspective, my behavior is deplorable. She just said, oh my God, I've got to apologize. And I said, well, that's your choice, but I just wanted you to see it from different perspective. And that's exactly what you're talking about is changing that, that lens, changing that view. Exactly. And then she's already now, already, her mind has already shifted into the POA, the plan of action, mm-hmm. with doing very little because that's the power of impact. You're spot on. Absolutely. And the CEO was thrilled that uh, she says, I'm so glad that you intervened and helped uh, navigate this because she said, I didn't know if we were going to actually repair the relationship at that point. And they met the next day for 90 minutes and they said there was, you know, a number of Kleenexes used, but they got the relationship back together and everybody uh, lived happily ever after. And that's what we want from coaching. Great example. Great example. So you've also referred to psychologist Lasada and Fredrickson report that in a widespread study in large organizations, individuals who experience a three to one ratio on positive to negative behaviors in business meetings are much more engaged and motivated in their work. I just think that's so insightful and so important. So give me your thoughts on that and why that's so important from a coaching perspective. From a coaching perspective and specifically our framework, it, it comes back again to that support that, that a lot of times people don't get enough. And um, when they do feel that confidence and that you do have their back, their willingness to come up with a solution, to support a solution, to sustain it and execute it goes up tremendously. Sometimes I ask people to keep track of it. Sometimes I like to record an interaction so I can Mm -hmm. actually chart it and show them how many touch points. I've had so many leaders who have said, hey, I'm just not doing any of that uh, kind of uh, uh, behavior And so it shows up in terms of the engagement of the other person and their creativity. And so that's uh, obviously extremely essential. Even in this, you know, bottom line oriented results driven, it's like, hey, these are still people doing these jobs. They have emotions, they have feelings, and you've got to tap into that, I believe, to create that. I like to call it, uh, Rory, an emotional connection. They've got to get an emotional connection with you, the coach, and with the topic through the impact of plan and ownership. So yeah, I, I agree completely. But you also tell a story about George Shearing, who is a blind pianist. George Shearing walks up to this uh, blind man on a corner and he too is blind. And the blind man hears him shuffle up and he says, would you help guide me across the street? And without telling him what he's doing, George Shearing uh, grabbed his arm and said, I'll be delighted to. And uh, at the quote was, what could I do? I took him across the street and it was the biggest thrill of my life. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so I love that. And so give me that, that thought from coaching. Cause I, I think that's really what coaching is, is sometimes you don't know where this is going to go and you may in fact be a blind pianist, but you can grab it by the arm and I'm going to help him take him across the street. When we do get across the street, it's one of the biggest thrills of my life. And I think that's what we're looking for in coaching is really the kind of the point there, isn't it? Absolutely. The way that uh, affects me is this. Look, when you begin coaching, you don't need the solution. You Mm -hmm. don't need to have the silver bullet. You just need to know there's an opportunity for improvement. You've had some observations, whether it's leveraging a strength or filling in a gap. And, And in fact, I highly recommend that if you've got your pet ideas, just save it a little bit. Together, I like to use the phrase, uh, Rory, let the solution emerge. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you go into this a little bit blind. You don't have to go. In fact, if you come in with a solution, I call it the preformed solution, you're likely to create some defensiveness. I like to call it the curse of the brilliant, because if you come across as I've got all the answers, I've got the solutions for you, I think that creates resistance and defensiveness. So I like to go in a little bit blind and saying, I don't know exactly how we're going to go forward, but if we put our heads together, we'll find a solution. I'm confident of that. So Right. And that's the foundation of coaching is inside of them is the solution. We just have to draw it out. That's, and, that's and exactly have, it. And with the synergy together, their ideas, your ideas, uh, a solution will present itself and we'll get across this road. I'm not worried about that. I just want to make sure it's doable, you're committed, uh, you feel ownership, we've used your ideas, I've listened to your ideas. I think a lot of people sometimes would rather be listened to than have their wishes granted. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure who said that, but it really applies to this is the power of listening, which I think is still the most underutilized communication tool out there, and the inability of some managers to just be quiet at times and let them elaborate. Even if you don't agree with everything they're saying, it's just giving them some airtime. Right. Oh, I agree completely. It's just give them some airtime and some time to look at it. And I had a, a senior manager observe my coaching style with people. And she goes, you never tell my people they were wrong. Even when they give you the wrong answer, you find the glimmer of what's correct in it. And then you work from there and you finally get there but I said, you know, the reason I love coaching is I don't have to use a cattle prod. Yeah. I, I never have to. I just say, okay, let's look at that a little bit more detail. You're saying it from this perspective. And I say, give me a little bit more detail on that. What would work here? What wouldn't work here? And you don't have to point out their mistake. You don't have to point out the flaw. They'll arrive at it on their own if you just continue to, to illuminate the spot. And she goes, I'd never thought of that before. Yeah, I'd never yeah. thought of just continuing to ask questions. So you never have to point out the mistake. And I think that's critical. There are mm -hmm. going to be those circumstances when people just don't see it. Maybe they haven't right. had enough experience, whatever it is, when you may have to, I like to call it belly up to the bar and say, look, let me give you my perspective. You may disagree with it, mm -hmm. but at least humor me a little bit and listen to a different angle. No, I agree completely. And it goes to one of the quotes you have in the book, Keep the discussion focused on key performance indicators, not so much on finding fault. And delve into that a little bit more in detail because that's such an important key for the folks I work with on coaching as they go, you know, how do I start the discussion? And I say, well, just give them some data or give them an example and say, what's your thoughts? Uh, expand upon that a bit for me. I think if they feel like this is a game of got you, I think if they feel like your agenda or goal or motive is to make them look bad, they're not going to think, they're not going to have that creativity. And so as a part of that support, I think you to simply say, look, I have some observations. I, do, I don't know if it was in this book or an earlier one, a paper by Jack Gibbs out at Stanford University who talks about the cause of defensiveness. And he says one of the causes is certainty. So mm. when you go into a conversation, conversation saying, look, let me tell you how it is. Let me tell you the way it happened. Right. You make it a big mistake. You're going over into that ladder of inference way too fast. And I think you got to back down a little bit and say, look, I've got some observations. I don't know if it's the whole picture. Let mm -hmm. me tell you what I experienced, what I saw, what I observed, the KPI, right. the data. Maybe you can explain it to me and what you're looking at and how this whole thing unfolded. And I want to keep an open mind. 
So it's doing all those things to say, look, I'm flexible. I do have some perceptions, but I'm open to being, I like this, being coachable. A coach has to be coachable. And so Mm -hmm. if you show a little willingness and a little vulnerability to say, I've got a part of the picture, but seldom am I perfectly right. That's been a lesson of mine in life is whenever I felt like I've been absolutely sure about something, it's like, I don't have the whole story. That's exactly right. If, If we're certain, we don't have the whole story. That's a great observation. I love that quote. I like to believe that coaching is for everyone. It's, mm-hmm. it's for colleagues, leaders. And uh, I think for a lot of people, that's a real insight that these are very holistic skills. If you want to, I'm not a family therapist. I'm not uh, anything like that. But But I can just tell you, it's a very effective process. In fact, I saw an executive just recently during this COVID crisis who did, we call it touch and go or an ask and listen. Mm -hmm. The CEO was one of their retail stores. A customer comes in without a mask and they have a policy now where you have to wear a face covering. And they said, so how did you handle it? And so it was very quickly. He went up to this customer and said, thank you for visiting our store. Wow. Support. He's, he's doing this. He's natural. A lot of people are natural. They don't even know they've got a coaching style. Right. And then then this uh, commentator said, so what did you do next? And the person said, the, the CEO said to the, uh, the customer, look, uh, we, now we have a policy that requires everybody in the store to wear a face covering. And then he said, can I get you one? Mm. I thought, we, we call that a touch and go where they're using a la carte, a few elements of the model mm-hmm. to work through a difficult issue on the fly, on the spot, it was fantastic. Right. And then it's almost like, how can they say no when they say, can I get you one? You know, it's such a great way to go about it. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the touch and go, because I meant to ask you about that because I just thought it was a a great coaching technique. So expand upon the touch and go just a little bit more for our listeners. Absolutely. So touch and go, we can all do it. In fact, uh, I'll tell you where I first saw it. When one of the organizations we researched was FedEx. Mm-hmm. And we did the classic study where we had study group leaders and comparison group leaders. In other words, great coaches and not so great coaches. Of course, it was a double blind study, so they didn't know who was in which group. So I go to LAX, one of their biggest stations in the country, probably in the world. I meet Mike McDonald at the front gate. I spend three days with him, watching him in every interaction possible. And I noticed he was a little different than some of the other leaders. Rather than going right to his uh, computer, bringing up all the KPIs, he did a little walkthrough through his facility, and he engaged people. He talked to them for a little bit. Just, again, these are just little standing interactions or conversations. How's your day growing? Did you get that problem solved yesterday? Can I help you with anything? Uh, You had a question about your your, uh, check last month. Did you get that cleared up? So all he was doing, Rory, is he was going around and making a little deposit, a support deposit in that bank account uh, and kept that rapport going. So it's like, hey, I always like to talk to Mike. I'm glad he comes around because when I do have an issue or he's got an issue, we can talk about it. And I know where he's coming from and I know he... Uh, trust me and supports me. And so it makes it real easy. I've, I've adopted that philosophy and that methodology, that practice in my own organization, even though I can feel the computer just calling me 
come to me, open me up. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Just stop by. It's a standing kind of comment. And it keeps that door open, that rapport open. So that's basically what it is in a nutshell. So any last ideas or questions I didn't ask that you would like me to ask? This framework is based on data. It's based on research. It's based on basically finding the best practices out there, finding the best leaders, trying to understand what they're doing. So this was not created by sitting around in a conference room or on a couch thinking how might they do it. And there are, again, a lot of coaching frameworks out there. The difference between this one and the others is we've done our due diligence. We go back a lot of years. We've repeated this study many, many times of looking at what do the best leaders do in any organization and finding these common denominators of support, clear, easy discussion of the topic, no blaming, no anything else, no judgment, best interests of the employee coming away with a plan of action, a buy-in and commitment, helping people understand what's at stake here, how do they win with any kind of behavior change or improvement. And, and it's amazing. Yes, sometimes, sometimes people don't fit uh, the organization, the standards. There are times when coaching doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and it's because there's a fundamental disconnect in the relationship or the role. And so you can discover that through the coaching process. And it may mean that, hey, we may have to go different ways to meet your needs and for me and the organization to meet our needs. No harm, no foul. I still think you're a good person and I wish you the best of luck. And once again, I come back, Rory, to uh, coaching is where you have to start. And you can't be afraid of asking questions. A lot of people think about this heroic, macho leadership. You got to tell people the way it is. Mm -hmm. There are moments when you're going to have to maybe come to that point and be specific depending on, we call it an OFI, opportunity for improvement, whatever that opportunity is. Mm -hmm. But too often, people feel that urge and that need to be macho and go in and lay it on the line. It just, it just doesn't work most of the time. Rory, that's my thoughts. Yeah, no, I love that. That's absolutely terrific. So how do people get a hold of you and your company to improve their coaching in their organization? Very, very easy. All you need to do is go to cmoe.com, cmoe.com. Feel free to ask for me. I'll get on the call with anyone and talk about how we enhance and elevate coaching skills, coaching behaviors, very practical, very systematic. We, we build the case studies, everything around your industry. We're all about customization. We're not about being big. That's never been our dream. There are a lot of big learning organizations out there, but we have a very small, talented organization, but representatives and most of the major industrial developed countries, and we'd love to help you uh, if you feel a need and you want something, again, that's based on empirical data, then, then give us a call. Absolutely love it. Well, Dr. Stowell, I cannot say thank you enough for being on Coaching for Potential today. It was terrific. And I highly recommend the book, Coaching for Results, The Five Tips That Drive Performance. So it's an excellent book, highly recommend it, great read, and it's got some great stories and it make it uh, lively and it came to life for me. So I loved it. Fantastic. It's great. This is the best part of my day. <laughs> Glad to have it work for you, my friend. Great. Thanks. Hope. Good luck to you. Hopefully we can, uh, our paths will cross and we can touch bases again. 
So that was a great conversation with Dr. Stephen Stoll, Rory. Good job. Thank you, my friend. It was great to have him on, and he's just got such good information in his book, and I highly encourage people to grab it if you want to learn about coaching more effectively. It's a great resource for managers and employers out there to help their team improve their skills. And a good model for us, Rory, what you're doing is you're excited about meeting these people and learning your own skills. So mm-hmm. that's what everyone that listens to podcast, everyone tells me that you learn a lot. And it's good to mm-hmm. see you learn some things too and have you talk with the other experts in the realm of coaching. Absolutely. I love doing it and it's fun. And I've just learned so much from it and it helps me and my clients because I also do this for a living. So I learn so much from yeah. them and then apply it to the folks that I'm working with. Well, that's a, a lot of fun to, to hear you and these other coaching experts talk about how we can really either coach for results, coach for potential, coach for potential results. Maybe you guys could do a, a team up. <laughs> anyway. I like how you applied that in there. I like how you moved yeah. it in there. So if uh, someone wants to increase their potential and increase mm-hmm. the results, they should contact you. How can they contact you? Yeah, they can just get to RoryRoland.com, and they can also go to CoachingManager.University. I'll give you a free scholarship to Coaching Manager University, and it's a great way to learn how you can coach more effectively. It's a 52-module online program, and I'll give it to one person who sends me an email today, and I'll give that to them. So it'll be a great way for them to learn their skills. And then also, make sure that you rate us on iTunes, rate us on Podbean, because that way we get more listeners and we go up the scale. So it's just another way to get more people listen to the program. So please rate us. Give us that five star if you think, in fact, we earned it. Yeah, and we want to hear your feedback that way. But also we're going to be doing a raffle, I guess, um, of mm-hmm. those people who do provide us some feedback. They'll also get the Coaching Managers University offer. So that's Absolutely. pretty exciting, too, just to give us feedback. Because we, we hope you show. And I think you've, you've talked about this that Getting feedback and improving your performance is good, and we would like to hear that from everyone that uh, enjoys this program. Absolutely. It would be great to do that, and it would be great fun to uh, give it away. So rate us on iTunes or other podcast tools that you listen to, and we'll actually include you in the raffle where we'll give away a scholarship to Coaching Manager University. That's awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Rory. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your help. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.